You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And thank you for staying with us here on Real Presence Live this Tuesday morning. Nick Medelsky, Father Jason Kern broadcasting live from St. James Coffee in Med City, Rochester, Minnesota. And we've got a very exciting guest on us with us now. All our guests are exciting, but, you know, Steve Ray is ex- especially exciting. He He's sure a very, is. very intense guy and, and a very exciting guy. And we're excited uh, re- locally, well, I guess not locally to Rochester, but other parts of our listening area. Uh, Steve will be joining us to speak at our banquets in Bismarck, Rapid City, and Aberdeen. And that would be Monday, November 29th in Bismarck, Tuesday, November 30th in Rapid City, so kind of back-to-back there. And then Thursday, December 2nd, we, we finally let the man have a night off. Yes. Um, so Thursday, December 2nd in Aberdeen. So yeah. good morning, Steve. Welcome. Good morning. That'll give me time to drive between yes. all those cities. And they're not that close as much as you think, oh, North Dakota and South Dakota, but <laughs> that's a haul. But yep. great to have I, you. I, I like it, though. I, I've been to the Dakotas before, and I really like them. They're, yeah. I, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of wilderness, and I like that. So yeah, I'm it's it's beautiful forward. area. Good. Absolutely. So uh, we're we're kind of continuing a series this morning on the uh, the creed, going through it line by line. And today we're finally at baptism, which is kind of in that little uh, paragraph added by the the Council of Constantinople right at the end there. Uh, and we're at the point of I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And that seems like you know it's a line I think a lot of us whip through on Sundays um, without thinking a lot about it. But there's actually a lot of profound. Um, messages about our faith and dogmas about our faith contained in just that one little sentence there. So um, let's start with um, how does that uh, how does that phrase fit in with the previous clauses? So we start with, you know, I believe in the Holy Spirit and, and all the things about the Holy Spirit, and then we finally get to I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sin. So why is that in there? Well, to summarize, what we've done so far is the first clause is about God the Father, and then about Jesus Christ, the Son. You've got the Trinity there, the Father, the Son, and all about defending Him and His coming down to earth and so on. Mm -hmm. But He came down to earth for a reason, and that reason starts to play out when we get to this this, uh, clause here. And so you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then it mentions the Church. Well, okay, great. The Church is the body of Christ, still present in the world today, but how in the world do you get into that body of Christ? How do you mm. become a part of the Church? Well, it's it's a new creation. So we have the first birth. I'm naturally born. How did I get into my family? In fact, just, just so you'll know, uh, last weekend we celebrated my mom's 100th anniversary, and <laughs> uh, birthday, I mean, wow. and she was just as bright-eyed and talking to everybody and remembering <laughs> all their names, everything. And how did I get into her family? I'm her son. I didn't just join that club. I had to be born into her family. And now I'm her son, so I could have this big party for her. Well, now that we know about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then the Church, how do I get into that Church? Well, the baptism is the doorway. It's the way I get born into a new family. I can't just come in. I have to be born into that family, and that's where we talk about born again. So this one line, I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, is a very pregnant word. 
It is loaded with life and meaning, and we can talk about it here for the next 20 minutes. Well, awesome. We'll, we'll be a little bit more than 20 minutes, really, uh, <laughs> closer to a half hour, so that's good. That's good. We have plenty to talk about. So, um, like you said, we've, we've, we've talked about that, and, and my, uh, my, my thing just disappeared. Where'd it go? I'm not sure. Okay. Anyway, sorry. There we go. I had had my list of questions there. So, so I guess uh, I guess this naturally leads to the question. So, what is baptism then? Well, let Since me go kind of the back to focus. my Baptist days, if you don't mind. I used mm-hmm. to be a Baptist until I was 39 years old, and then I which is kind of a church. kind of an ironic designation, right? It is. Well, I when I look back on it now, we called ourselves Baptists. But we didn't believe baptism did anything. Right. It's like um, it's like calling yourself an automotive company, but not having any autom- any cars. It's right. why would we call it the Baptist Church when we don't believe that baptism does anything? We believed when I was in my former life as an evangelical Protestant that baptism was only a symbol. Everything was faith alone. It took place inside of my heart and in my mind. And when I believed on what we would say to somebody, you have to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and ask him to come into your heart. And then we would lead them to pray the sinner's prayer. Well, first of all, none of those three things are ever found in the Bible. There's no place where it says that we have to accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. Nowhere does it say you have to ask Jesus to come into your heart. And never is there anything like a sinner's prayer that is uh, assigned to us to pray. So we said that when I got baptized, and it wasn't necessary, by the way, it was only an optional thing. It was a good thing to do, of course, but it was optional. Mm -hmm. And we would just get baptized as a sign to the world of what had taken place in our hearts. So it wasn't washing away sins, it wasn't being born again, it was just an outward symbol to show that I had believed in Jesus. Which and is kind of what it was. Kind, so, kind of funny when you think when I became a Catholic. Which is kind of funny when you think about it, because the Catholic understanding of sacraments, right, is that it's an outward sign of an inward grace. So it was, you know, just just a few hairs away, right? Just just almost oh, there, yes, but uh, slightly, but not quite. World, in, our, <laughs> in our Baptist world, there were no sacraments. That's a right. Catholic thing. And we as Catholics have seven sacraments, but as Baptists, we call them ordinances. Why? Because Jesus ordered us to do it. And what are the two? Only he ordered us to baptize, even though it doesn't do anything, and he ordered us to have communion, and we used crackers and grape juice. And we also believed that didn't do anything. That was just an outward symbol also. So we had these two ordinances, but we would have never accepted the Catholic seven sacraments. Right, absolutely. So, uh, and we're we're talking about sacraments. And uh, a few weeks back, it might even be a month ago at this point, I spoke with Deacon Jack Lavalla, who's the deacon out at St. Charles here in St. Charles, Minnesota. And we talked, went through baptism a little bit, and some of the particulars, some of the things in the catechism, the biblical roots, all those sorts of things. Um, but with all of the sacraments, it sort of comes back to matter, form, and ordinary minister, right? Uh, so does. we should probably talk about those three with baptism. Well, with with baptism, it it is the doorway into the Church, and Confirmation and Eucharist, those three together are the sacraments of initiation. But how does one get baptized? Well, the matter 
this is so cool. The Catholic Church is really, really amazing. I just love it. Very, very cool. It has everything laid out and understood. It's been defined. It's been explained, and we have believed it for 2,000 years. So the three things that go along with baptism are, number one, matter. That is the immersing of the candidate in water or pouring water on the head or sprinkling. One of, any of those three work. So that's the matter. You have to have water. The form. That is having the pronouncement and the invocation of the Most Holy Trinity. In other words, I baptize you. If you say I baptize you in the name of the Creator and the Sustainer and the, and the Redeemer, it doesn't work. Yeah. It right. has to be said exactly the way Jesus said it in Matthew 28. So the form is the announcement of the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father. And, and in fact, Son. last year we just had kind of a, a, a an uproar, right, when it was the... C CDF, right, uh, came out with a statement that if people used we baptize instead of I baptize, that it was a problem in the, the diocese I just moved from. They actually had to rebaptize several people because the priest said he, he, he didn't know that it was that big of a deal. So he said, oh, well, I may have said we baptize, I may have said I baptize, and some people had some video, uh, some old camcorder footage of baptisms, and he said, oh, gosh, I need to uh, redo all of these. So, so the wording, right, the, the form is very important. Uh, when it we is, talk and about you know, one of the things is the Catholic Church is not sloppy, and oftentimes in other denominations and things, it's very sloppy. You can kind of do it and recreate it and make it any way you want, the worship service, baptism, whatever. But the Catholic Church says, no, the way Jesus left it is the way it should be. The way the apostles and the fathers of the Church taught us that is the way it should be, and you can't be sloppy with it. It's not your church. It's not your sacrament. It is God's sacrament, and it's to be done His way. So you have the matter, which is water. You have the form, which is the right of Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then the minister who officiates over this. Well, it is the ordinarily, it is the clergy. It is a priest, a bishop, a priest, or a deacon who does this. But if someone is is dying, I can baptize them. If it's an extraordinary situation, then anyone can baptize them as long as the intent is correct. I remember my father, because we were Baptists, he baptized us in the swimming pool. My dad did that. Mm. But he did it the right way, and it was with water, and the right words were used. And so I think that at that point it was accepted by the Church for my, my brother. But it's normally the ordinary, or the, ordinarily it's the clergy that does the administration of the baptism of sacrament, of sacrament, or under extraordinary conditions it can be done by someone else. And that's really, I think, the, the only sacrament that, uh, that can be given by anyone in case of emergency. So right. it's really that important. I could important. hear your confession, it just wouldn't do any good. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, before we head into the break here, and w well, we may take that break a little late, because uh, now our next question is we come to the fathers of the church and what they say about baptism. Um, yeah, so this there's is really a lot of, interesting. Yeah. And, and, uh, baptism is, is given many names, and one of them comes from John chapter 9, when the um, blind man, Jesus put mud on his eyes. And in my movie, Jesus, the Word became flesh. I actually walked from the temple area down to the Pool of Siloam with my face covered with mud, and I washed the mud off in the Pool of Siloam. That was in the movie that I made on Jesus. But 
what that it's an enlightenment it's an illumination his eyes were opened through the waters of baptism that's the symbolic meaning of that washing your eyes in the pool of Siloam and now you can see so the fathers of the church one of them uh, father gregory nazianzen who is one of the marvelous fathers who defended mm-hmm. the trinity he said we call it a gift because it's given to us in return for nothing it's given to us as a grace because it's given freely. It's given even to debtors. It's grace kind of forgiveness. It's called baptism because baptism is a symbol of being buried, and then you're raised back up. That's why, actually, immersion is the best symbolic way to do it, although sprinkling and pouring works. But if you're actually taken into the water and you're immersed in it and then you're brought back up it's symbolic that you're dying in christ with him and being raised to new life so baptism is that it's called illumination because of its splendor and it opens our eyes and we can now see it's called clothing because it hides our shame just kind of like adam and eve they were given those clothes the the skins to cover them in the garden but now we're washed with the baptism and that's our our clothing it gives it hides our shame and labor that's a place where you go wash your hands in the temple there was a labor with the water you wash before you went into the temple because it washes us it's like a bath and it's called a seal because it preserves us. It is the seal that preserves us for eternal life. So it has a lot of names, and even more than that, actually. And the great thing about reading uh, the Church Fathers, especially about baptism, is we see how these ideas were there in the earliest centuries of the Church. This isn't things that were made up in the Middle Ages or in the Renaissance or even the modern day, right? These are ideas that were with the Church all the way from the start. And they can be traced all the way back to the Old Testament and the New Testament, all of them. Absolutely. Well, if you're just joining us, Steve Ray is on the line with us, Father Jason Kern and Nick Medelsky here at St. James Coffee in Rochester, Minnesota. I almost said Michigan because there's also a Rochester in Michigan, but we're not in Michigan, we're in Minnesota. And uh, we're going to head into break here. Please stay with us as we continue to talk about baptism. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street in the new Diocesan Building or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers vision therapy services for children and adults. Symptoms of poor reading comprehension, headaches, tired eyes, and poor coordination can be indicators of eye movement conditions which affect reading and learning. Eye movement disorders are often undetected by school vision screenings and regular eye exams. For more information about how vision therapy can help treat these conditions, our website is www.lumen.vision. 
Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. And thanks for joining us this morning on Real Presence Live. Father Jason Kern sitting next to me, Nick Medelsky here at St. James Coffee in Rochester, Minnesota on a beautiful Tuesday morning. This should be. This might be our last beautiful weather day uh, of the year. <laughs> yeah, it's getting down there for sure. <laughs> uh, and if you're just tuning in now, we have Steve Ray, the the inimitable Steve Ray, joining us on the phone right now, and we're talking about baptism, um, which is the. Uh, we talked about how it's a sacrament. So we talked about uh, kind of the details of the sacrament before we went into the break there. Um, why it's in the creed, why that's important, why it's where it is in the creed, um, and talked a little bit about uh, St. Gregory Nanzianzen and what he uh, tells us from the earliest centuries of the church, uh, the different um, aspects of baptism. So one of the things we were talking about uh, during the break with uh, Steve, and one of the things he asked us uh, actually when he first got on the phone, is uh, a question often posed by evangelical Christians to Catholics, especially, which is the question, have you been born again? Uh, So how are we going to answer that? Well, that's what Jesus told Nicodemus. You have to be born again to see the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell, I'm going to explain this in a form of a story that actually happened to me. After I became Catholic in 1994, I was invited to dinner, my wife and I, by another Catholic family, but I didn't know that he was also inviting a Baptist minister and his wife. Ah. So when we sat down to eat, I saw this Baptist minister carry a Bible into the dinner, and he put it on his lap under the tablecloth, and I, all of a sudden I realized what was going to happen. There was going to be fireworks, and they had set me up because they knew there was going to be an argument. We weren't even into halfway eating our salad when that Baptist minister looks at me and he says, Steve, he says, are you born again? I knew the question was going to come because people ask Catholics that question. They say, are you born again? And the Catholic usually answers by saying, well, I'm Catholic. And then I used to say to them, I didn't ask you if you were Catholic. I know you're Catholic. That's why I asked you if you're born again. And you don't even know, do you? Your priest never teaches you about that. You don't know about being born again. And then I'd go into this whole sermon about how they should be born again. Well, anyway, this guy was going to do that to me at the dinner table. And he says, Steve, are you born again? I looked at my wife. I looked back at him, and I smiled, and I said, yes, I'm born again the Bible way. And he Mm. says, well, what do you mean by the Bible way? I says, well, listen, you are the one that first asked me, how do you think you get born again, since you were going to tell me? And he says, well, you have to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and ask him to come into your heart. And I says, well, first of all, the Bible never says either one of those two things. And that's not what Jesus says, how you get born again. So let's start from the beginning. God always starts new things with water and spirit. He uses those two things to start something new. And in fact, if you go back to the first two verses of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the, and the earth was formless and void, and w- water covered the surface of the deep, and the 
Spirit of God hovered over the waters. So there you have the first creation comes out of water and spirit. New creation. Well, the church is another new creation, and how does that get started? Same way, water and spirit. But let's go back another time. Uh, the Noah was going to have, they had to go through water, and there was a dove over top of them. And Moses came out of the wilderness, out of the uh, Egypt. He went through the Red Sea with the cloud of the Holy Spirit above them. Every time God does something like this, it's water and spirit. Jesus just went into the Jordan River, and the dove came down. It was on. The, it was the headlines of the Jerusalem Post, Nicodemus should have known. <laughs> so I did, this, I did this for a half an hour. I did this talk, what I'm doing, I did in two minutes. But I did this with that guy, and he was totally flabbergasted, did not know what to say. Mm-hmm. And really, we as Catholics need to use the Bible so that we can show Protestants what they think their own book says, but show them that the Catholic truth is the truth, and it is deeply embedded in the Bible. And Protestantism is very shallow, actually. It's mainly made up of sound bites and slogans, but the Catholic faith is the one that is full of with Scripture. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're just joining us, we're talking about uh, baptism with Steve Ray um, and just uh, how to answer that, that question, have you been saved? Um, have you been born again? Right? Um, th- those are two different questions, actually. I, I confuse those in my mind. So I, I, rem- I always like answering the have you- do you know you've been saved question with the no, and, and you don't either. <laughs> you yeah. don't know for sure, right? Uh, that's, uh, that's something we're all working on at this time. But uh, uh, one of the, the next things that's emphasized in the creed is one baptism. Why is that word there, one? Why is that so important to talk about one baptism? Well, because baptism is our birth into a new humanity. It's the doorway into heaven. How many times, we talked about my mom being 100 years old last weekend, how many times was I born into her family? Once. I can't get born into that family again. It was once. When you become a part of the family of God, you're born into it once. So baptism is one baptism. You can't, you know, we used to have these revival meetings when we were baptized. We had people coming up from Tennessee, and they'd talk like this. And then, you know, we'd have these big revival meetings, and everybody would go up and get saved again. You know, you, you, you can't be born again over and over again. It's only one time. And the scripture says there's only, there's one body of Christ, there's one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, Ephesians chapter 4. It is something that you can only do once, and baptism is how it takes place. So if you're an infant, you're born again. In fact, I have 19 grandchildren, so wow. I see 19 little pagans. Get born into the body of Christ. I've watched these little pagans get baptized and born into the body of Christ. Now, as they grow up, we have to help them to live out that new birth, just like I have to have a baby now. A baby's born, and he's in the family right now, but as he grows, you have to teach him and train him and catechize him and educate him and teach him how to eat and sleep and all these things. Well, when same thing when a baby is born into the Catholic Church. We baptize them. They're born. They're part of the family, and now we have to teach them how to live that out in their lives. So there's just one baptism. Right, and and it also kind of, um, it, there's there's a few different dimensions to that, too, uh, that may not have been what initially was intended, but also when we talked earlier about, um, you know, the, the swimming pool baptisms, right, when they're done correctly, that's the same baptism, right, that we have as yeah. Catholics, yeah. right? And that's the interesting thing is the Catholic Church doesn't say you have to be baptized by a Catholic priest. 
priests. It even the early church did this because there were heretics that were baptizing people with water and correctly said, and the church recognized a valid baptism even if it wasn't done in the Catholic Church. Right, absolutely. So that's uh, something again from the earliest days of the church. This is there. This isn't something we made up along the <laughs> along the way, right? That's something right. that's always been that's, with us. And like you said, it's even in Ephesians, right? So it's in in Scripture, right? That's right. Um, and speaking of where baptism is in Scripture, uh, one of my favorite words uh, and one of my favorite things when reading Scripture is typology. Those references, you know, in the Old Testament to things that play out in the New Testament and in the church, and so. Uh, where can we look in the Old Testament for, for baptism? Oh, when you talk about typology, you're sure plucking my strings. I, that, <laughs> that is just, I love typology. Well, you have a lot of them. The dove hovering over the waters of, of Noah's Ark. Noah's passing through the water, and there's a white dove hovering over that. And, and then you have um, the ark passing through the water. And that, that Both of those together are a picture of baptism. Moses leading the Israelites through the Red Sea, and they're being led by a pillar of fire. Who's that? That's the Holy Spirit. And just like it, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 4, as the children of Israel were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, water and spirit, so you have been baptized into Christ water and spirit. And you have this over and over again in the Old Testament, all of these wonderful prefigurations of baptism and of the Eucharist and of many other things as well. And then also, like to repeat, Ezekiel, one of the prophets, 500 years or so before Christ comes, tells us what the new covenant is going to look like. And listen to this, and tell me where you see water and spirit here, too. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness, and I will put a new heart and a new spirit within you. Aha! There's water and spirit again. The new covenant, Ezekiel said, is going to be water and spirit. Beautiful. So, in the as we talk about the scriptures and the, the holy word of God, and, how, and then it flows into the early church. Why did the early church teach infant baptism then? Well, this is how in the Old Testament the Jewish boy was brought into the covenant people of God on the eighth day by circumcision. Jesus and John the Baptist, we both know, were circumcised on the eighth day. That is the way they were brought into the covenant people of God. Paul tells us that baptism replaces circumcision. And so we, just like the Jewish people would bring their babies in at eight days into the covenant, so we as Catholics, we use baptism, which replaces circumcision, and we do this about to our young babies, and we bring them into the covenant people of God because we are the new Israel. So the new Israel is going to look a whole lot like the old Israel. Eight days circumcised for us, eight days baptized. And so this is it's a, a picture of this. And on Pentecost, when they all came forward to Peter, and he said, they said, what should we do? He said, all of you should be baptized. You and your whole household was baptized, even the infants. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, Steve. Unfortunately, as we predicted, we didn't have enough time to get through everything this morning, but we're excited to, to continue this series with you about the creed uh, line by line. So thank you so much. And again, uh, Steve Ray coming to uh, North and South Dakota for those banquets. Go to realpresenceradio.com to sign up.